This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Dumbiner. Together, we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And today we are going to talk about that article that we are all talking about still, the one about Instagram, teens, self-esteem, and body image. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. And hey... Stick around after this episode for a very special Spawned Extra. You'll be very glad you did. I promise. So, Kristen, let's just jump right in. Yep. So, for those of you who missed this, because you were, I don't know, like in a <laughs> yurt somewhere up in some place with no internet whatsoever. Or just trying to keep your kids alive for another week, given <laughs> yeah. the way the world is right now. We've, we've got a lot on our minds. <laughs> yeah. a lot on our minds. The Wall yeah. Street Journal came out with this big expose called Facebook Knows Instagram is Toxic for Teen Girls Company Documents Show. And the subhead is its own in-depth research shows a significant teen mental health issue that Facebook, who owns Instagram, plays down in public. It's in the Wall Street Journal. If you go on Cool Mom Tech, where we wrote about this, we actually have a couple places where you can access the article so you don't hit the paywall. Like if you have Apple News, you can look at it through there Hmm. or plenty of other news journals are, are recapping it. Like BBC has a pretty good recap. And let's skip Instagram culpability for a moment because there's all kinds of stuff we could talk about, about what they knew, when did they knew it? What have they been doing? Right, and it's not a secret. Like, let's just say up front, it's not a secret that social media and and various apps, like they're called infinity apps, like they're designed to keep you excited and on them. It's no secret. And if it is, surprise, that's what's happening. It's the infinite scroll. It is the There's infinite no scroll. Bottom. You get a dopamine hit when you get likes and shares and views. Like this is a fact. It's happening. So not that we're excusing anyone's behavior, but that is a thing that you as a parent, will deal with when your kids get on social media. That is just happening. We deal with it ourselves. Like, indeed, what mom among us is not like, oh God, I'm doom scrolling Twitter for an hour. Oh my gosh, it happened to me this morning. I was watching Reels and all of a sudden it was like 30 minutes. I had absolutely no idea that I had spent 30 minutes looking at Reels That's, a, on that's like a whole Spawn episode right there. Uh, I know, <laughs> I know. So I think it's important to say that up front. Yeah. Like, and yeah. we'll talk about that. But like, this is really a parenting issue. Exactly. And what, yeah. as soon as the article came out, we were texting each other, you and I, and right yeah. away we both agreed we're like, this is a parenting issue. And it's easy to pass it off and say, this is a social media issue. Social media is terrible. We need to delete the app from our kids' phones. Now, whether you want to boycott them for whatever reason, that's up to you. I am not going to weigh in on that. But the thing is, then there'll be some other app that comes up. And so really it's about how we deal with this as parents, what we can do to help avoid mental health issues and unhealthy behaviors that come from all sorts of places. We both agreed, like, let's talk to parents about 
about what we can do as parents because it's a parenting issue. Mm-hmm. Not that we have failed as parents. It's not a parenting problem, but everything is, right? Everything is something that we as parents need to address. Well, that's what digital parenting is. I mean, yes. so much of the screen time conversation that we have, especially in our OutTech Your Kids Facebook group. I mean, how many times do we respond? Well, this is a parenting issue. Well, my kid keeps doing this, this, and this, and this, and this. And then we say, take away the phone. Right. Well, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. But also like this has to do with boundaries and rules and conversations and all of those kinds of things that we've been talking about for years. So I'm curious to know, because I've, I, I kind of know, like, well, that's cheating a little bit because I do know what Sage <laughs> said, but you actually talked to yeah. an actual teen girl. I did. I have one. I you. have two right at home. <laughs> like I have my focus group of two. So Sage, those of you who read my blog since before she was born, she is now 14. She's a freshman in high school, which is hard to believe for sure. Can't believe so it. So we were walking home and I mentioned the article and I talked to her about it. And I said, well, what do you think about this idea of, you know, girls, especially boys too, but especially girls, teen girls feeling bad about themselves or having low self-esteem or, you know, how Instagram is contributing to how people feel about themselves. And just tell me what you think. And she stopped for a minute and she just said, I think people should stop following the people who make them feel bad about themselves. Hmm. Fancy that. And I was like, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really yeah. like ask a kid and like get a great answer. And so I stopped and I really tried to think about that. And it sounds simplistic mm-hmm. at first, mm-hmm. but it's actually kind of not. And it led me to write this article in Cool Mom Tech about the whole issue and how do we talk to our kids about not immersing themselves in arenas, social media forums, following people who make them feel bad about themselves. Because here's the thing. We are old enough to know, Kristen, we old. (laughs) Before it was Instagram, it was fashion magazines. It was Hollywood. It was Victoria's Secret models. It was, you know, retouching the swimsuit issue of Sports Illustrated. There's always been stuff that we have blamed in the culture Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. creating negative body image in women. It's a cultural issue. We have a greater cultural issue and Instagram is one piece of that. But, you know, if it's not Instagram, it's going to be them flipping through Vogue and being like, oh, my thighs are fat or whatever. That's why I'm not passing any responsibility from Instagram. But I know that this is a greater issue and that maybe there are things that we can do as a parent to help address it so that our kids will have more healthy attitudes when they see things like that that make them feel bad. Yeah, I mean, you're right. We're inundated with it. The interesting part of social media is it's it's much more in your face and it's more relatable, right? I think at some level, we see the images of beautiful women. And of course, it's kind of funny you bring this up because I posted the whole thing about the new Skims line with Kourtney Kardashian and Megan Fox, like eating fruit together and like the most bizarre and let's be honest, <laughs> super photoshopped photo shoot ever. And I'm like, why is this happening? Like I was basically in my post, like I'm tired. I'm so tired. Like that looks tiring to me. They're like shiny. They have literally no bumps, no marks at all. Their faces, everything is completely perfect. And I looked at it and I wasn't jealous or mad. I was just exhausted. But I think we see these things in fashion magazines. They were less attainable. I think when our girls, even me, honestly, when I'm looking at Instagram, I'm like, oh, that's someone I know. It just feels a little closer to home. It feels like, oh, that's my friend or that person who I admire, who is a YouTuber or a TikToker. Like, I think that there is definitely something that's happening that brings it much closer to home because of social media. And it's important for parents to really understand that this is happening. And, you know, I spoke to a bunch of amazing experts in my article in the Washington Post about devious lick. Yeah. You know, but they were talking about how girls like this is a thing. This is 
a research proven thing that happens that they go on, they take 600 million photos of themselves, they post the best one. And then if it doesn't get enough attention, they take it off. Like the way you look and how you are on Instagram is, and I say Instagram, but TikTok, all the other things is super important. Yeah. So it's happening. This isn't just made up. Like this is definitely a thing. Yes, definitely a thing. The other thing we talked about is how taking away social media doesn't solve things. Not just because there's things in the culture, but there are actually so many positive things about social media. And we talked about this on the Outtech Your Kids podcast. We've written about this, that if it weren't for social media, I think our kids would not have fared as well during the pandemic. It kept them connected. I've seen kids starting businesses or like deciding that they fell in love with drawing anime because they could post it. Like your daughter is an incredible cosplay influencer now. I know. It's so funny. It's doing like amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. There have been a lot of people and I was just on Twitter this morning. You saw my tweet thread. Mm -hmm. There are so many people out there parents who are just like, my children will not be on social media until they're in high school or, or, you know, of a certain age that you know of. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when I talked to Diana Graber, who wrote Raising Digital Humans, her thing was like, it's actually important for kids and parents to read the terms of service for these apps, because suddenly when we get on the internet, like rules go out the window and we're like, oh, well, they're nine. It says they should be 13, but they're nine. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to consider those age limits. And some of us have fudged them. Raising my hand, I definitely have fudged them. But the thing is, just because you're going to wait until your kids are 14, they don't know how to use social media. Like it doesn't just happen. You have to be coaching them. You have to be talking to them about these issues. Mm -hmm. I admire people who are waiting, but what are you doing in the interim to make sure your kids are prepared and ready for this type of stuff when they get on social media, when it happens. I love that. That's so important. And so let's talk about a few tips that we've gathered over the years from experts, from other people we've interviewed here and elsewhere. There's a lot. First of all, I love the idea of sit down and read the terms of service with your kids. That's amazing. I don't think we've even talked about that. Super fun. Just kidding. But it's really (laughs) smart. It is smart. Well, because the thing is, we've raised our kids to know how to act in real life communities, right? And your kids are great on online communities too. And I'd like to think mine are as well, right? Like they know how to act, but there are a lot of kids out there who know to be kind, who know to say thank you overall. They have manners and then they get online and it's a free for all Yeah, because no one ever taught them how to behave in an online community. Yeah. Right. People just didn't do but that. Actually, I will say sometimes I think my kids are better online than in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Hey, say thank you. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's so funny. That's really, really funny. But yeah, I mean, I think reading the terms of service, knowing what's expected of you, knowing how you're supposed to respond and act on these apps is important. If you're going to let your kids on them, they should know how they work and what they're doing. Exactly. And so listen, we've been saying for years that you need to add the tech talk as one of the talks you have with the kids. Like we always talk about the stranger danger talk or tricky people talk or ads are not all real. They're trying to sell you something. Talk. Oh, all the talks, right? So yeah, many. Sex, <laughs> violence, school shootings. I mean, there's Drugs like a lot alcohol, of stuff. And like we have a all whole post about all the talks to have with kids. But I found like back in 2013, we had written a big article about the tech talk. That's mm-hmm. really helpful mm-hmm. about how to talk to kids, teens and tweens about tech safety. And I'm looking through it for the first time in ages. And I'm thinking, this is like literally our outline for today's show. Like We haven't changed that much oh, since then. Look at us. And that was before Snapchat. Our kids were not on Instagram yet. Our own kids were pretty young. But you know, there's like certain things that you can do. Mm-hmm. So first mm-hmm. of all, I think saying I'm going to take away social media is not really a great fix because first of all, it's after the fact. It's not preventative. Can I say prophylactic? It's not, it's not prophylactic. <laughs> <laughs> but 
listen, kids will then sneak around it. Mostly it's about talking to them in general about social media and boundaries and how to use things responsibly together. Well, and listen, if you're going to take it away, you're going to limit it. You need to talk to your kids. These things don't just disappear. If you're taking away something because they're not using it appropriately or you limit it because they're not using it appropriately. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can see that as a parenting decision, but are you helping them understand what is appropriate? Are you Mm -hmm. helping them to understand what they were doing wrong and why they need to fix it? I think too often we just say, nope, you're off it. You're done. That's it. But we're not taking the time to really help our kids understand how to use these tools, how to use these apps. That's a great clarification. And by the way, I'm not saying that taking away social media is a bad thing. I think that's a perfectly reasonable consequence of misbehaving or not abiding by your family's rules. I just don't think it's a long-term solution. So one of the things you can do also, you know, when it comes to body image specifically is go through your feeds together. Like I, one of my favorite things to do my 16-year-old will still like cuddle up with me in bed once in a while and she'll scroll through <laughs> her entire, she has like 8 million meme folders where she saves mm-hmm. all her favorite memes. She's like, I'm going to show you some fresh memes. <laughs> and she scrolls through and we like laugh at them. First of all, it helps me connect with her because I can yes. see what she's interested in, what she thinks is yeah. funny. Also, she can make fun of me because I don't understand half of it, which is always, <laughs> always good for the kids' self-esteem. And then we can go through feeds together, especially, I think this especially works with younger kids. Like, who are you following? Why are you following? What do you like about them? Why do you like this person? Why do you like Charlie D'Amelio? Yeah, it's such a great conversation starter. It's meeting kids where they are. And I still remember when Jordan Shapiro was on, we'll link back to his episodes where he was saying, you know, if you go through your Twitter feed or you go through your comments on Facebook and talk to your kids, like we would cut down on so many trolls and nasty comments because kids would have no tolerance for that crap, Mm. right? They would be like, why are they being so mean? Why are they saying that? Especially if you start young with your kids, like it's surprising to kids when they see how people speak to each other, you know, because like that's not allowed in person. Why is this allowed online? And then you have a great starting point for a conversation about how to be online. So I love this idea. I think anytime you can spend and pointing things out and you do this in movies, Uh, I know this in commercials. I'm the the pauser. I pause and go, what do you think they're saying here? (laughs) Yeah. Or like, it's interesting to me that all of these women are white or all of these women look like they're a size two, right? Which again, nothing wrong with white women, nothing wrong with women who are a size two, but like, it's important to challenge the notion that that is typical because that's not typical or that that's what success looks like. Exactly. And by the way, this is for us too, parents, you know, every so often I cut down my feeds. I realize like this person's negative all the time. And every time Mm -hmm. I see their, you know, tweets, they stress me out and I like them in real life, but whatever, this is just a venting ground for them. So I'm just going to unfollow or this person all they do is post bikini shots of themselves. I'm really proud of them. I'm very happy for them, but I just can't handle looking at it right now. I'm just not going to look at that stuff anymore. You know, I think we can make those choices too. Yeah. I mean, we're curators of our own feed. Like we are content curators. So I love the idea of just going through your own feed and making it a place where you want to be. I mean, you spend a lot of time on social media. I do too. You out there, no judgment. If you spend a lot of time on it and you're not in a good place mentally or whatever it is, you know, you can hide stuff. I hide stuff all the time. And that sometimes it's just like sad things where I'm like, you know what? I can't read this right now. I'm going to, and that's a privilege. I know, but it's also taking 
taking care of myself. And you can encourage your kids to do the same. Completely. Doesn't necessarily mean you need to unfriend people. You can hide it. You can just take a break from it. Like there are nuances about using social media that can either help or hurt you when it comes to your mental health. I also think that there's a degree of social media literacy, especially mm-hmm. in terms of photos yes. specifically. Yeah. And that you can see when there's filters. Like, look, I know that women in their 40s and 50s, we use filters more. We look for the flattering angles. I saw Kristen Howerton, our friend, put up a really funny Facebook video this week of her daughter saying, oh, this is the mom Facebook pose. I saw that. I and love it. She was yeah. leaning back in her chair and putting <laughs> the phone above her to take the picture. Right, because right, People call right. it like the instant facelift, like when you're lying on a bed and take a picture. It was really yeah. funny to me. <laughs> but I was thinking like, actually, that's kind of cool that her daughter notices that people do that to look more flattering. It's yeah. I'm like, look, I don't care if you want to look better in pictures, like go for it. You're an adult. But why are 13, 14, 16 year olds using like heavy filters? Why are they using Facetune? Why are they squishing their thighs or their bodies? Why are they giving themselves tiny waist that they don't have? Mm-hmm. So you can talk to your kids about filters or what are your favorite filters? You can ask them about Facetune or body tuning apps, like whether they have them or do they use them? Do your friends use them? And just have like an open conversation. And I'm working very hard on like listening without judgment. I'm always like kind of quick to respond. And I still am working on that with my kids, like just letting them talk and hearing them and asking more questions instead of jumping to a solution. It's interesting because you'll end up getting information or you may end up having your kids express an idea or come up with something thoughtful that they hadn't ever considered before. Like, you know what? I just realized that all my friends are using this one filter. I really hadn't thought about that and like why they were doing that. And it just leads to good conversations. And again, it helps create social media literacy, which I think is very important. I mean, you know, my background's in advertising. So I'm really good at like knowing exactly why someone's saying what they're saying or how Mm -hmm. they're saying it when you see Mm -hmm. them ad. Kids have to learn that stuff. And since they're not sitting down and watching network TV, like we did as kids, we're not necessarily having a communal experience when we view media together. We're not sitting in front of the TV discussing commercials, right? They're on their own, on their own devices, on their screens. So we need to kind of make those spaces and make those opportunities to be able to talk about that stuff together and point things out and ask them what they think. Yeah, absolutely. We have to manufacture those teaching moments. We just can't let them teach themselves because we know what happens when you're inundated with those images. Many of us, I would say Gen X, you know, maybe even millennials too, feel that pressure, right? We've seen it. And and as much as there's a lot of body positivity out there, you know, I know Old Navy just launched a new campaign. Dove has always been really great about that kind of stuff. Overall, it's still not great. Yeah. And we're still being held to a super high standard. And we've talked about this on the show before. We have several episodes where we've talked about body positivity. And, you know, we talked about the crop top situation, right? And how even our language around the words flattering. I'm still working on that. I know it's hard, right? And like the gray hair, like it's kind of funny because I tweeted to uh, an editor over at Romper because she was talking about, I think it was like gray hair. And I had Mm -hmm. said, you know, people tell me that I look great and not old, right? And she tweeted something back that I thought was great. And she was like, well, there's nothing wrong with old either. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? You're right. You're totally 100% right. And actually what I meant to say was unimportant, right? Like we're not seen as important if we're aging. Oh my gosh. That's a whole other discussion. It is a whole other discussion. Because they're in the opposite place, right? They're 13. They want to look 24. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, one day that 
it'll reverse. I'm trying to figure out exactly the point at which it reverses. But you know, there are actually a few body positivity people that I love following. And I'm glad you brought that up. Tova Lee, who we've had on the show. She has been writing some really wonderful stuff lately about her post-mom body and how she feels about it. And some of the nasty comments she gets and how she handles it. Another woman I adore, Shanae Alexander. Mm. She's amazing. She lives here in Brooklyn. She's gorgeous, I've got to say. And she writes so honestly about her body, how it's changed, how she's gained weight over the last couple of years. And she talks about that so honestly and beautifully. You know, it's funny. I met her randomly on a subway going to the Women's March a few years back. That's, That's just so like We funny. just started talking on a subway, didn't know who each other was, and now, you know, love her Instagram. She actually wrote recently about how, and I, I actually showed this to Sage and we talked about this. She showed a picture of herself in a kind of sporty bathing suit. And she said at the time she was doing a like influencer partnership with some kind of gym or athletic company. I'm not sure what it was. And when she looked at the picture they ended up using of her on their Instagram feed, she said it was this picture, but they made it one or two sizes smaller. Oh my goodness. I know. And she said, it made me feel terrible. Like, oh, I'm not good enough like Mm -hmm. this. I'm not Mm -hmm. athletic enough. I'm not pretty Mm -hmm. enough. Like you had to make me a different person. And she said, and I'm not even going to share that one with you. I want you to see the original photo because I'm proud of it. And we had a great conversation about that and what that must have felt like and how that stuff really, like little things can really impact you like that. And it also led to the conversation about how just because you're seeing someone on Instagram who looks great, that may not be real life. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a conversation to have. And I think sometimes we downplay it or we think our kids know, but I tell you what, it sometimes is difficult. Like I'll look and I'll be like, wait, is that a filter? Like, is that really? I mean, because if you look even at like photos of me, like the light changes, how I look, the angle, like the time of day. And I think if our girls are, and and, look, boys too, all people, like our kids, I should say, right, are looking at these images. We want them to be able to discern, right? Because they're developing ego right now, Mm -hmm. right? Teenagers are all about finding their way and finding who they are. So we can't necessarily expect them to 100% separate out, well, that's that person and this is me. Like, that's a process. I'm still doing that and I'm 45, right? But what we can teach them is to be critical thinkers and to be curious and to wonder, "Hmm, okay, I wonder, like, this is a professional photo shoot. Like, I wonder about that. And like, I'm taking my photo in my room and like, both of these have value but they're different and that's okay. Those are the skills I want my kids to have. Mm -hmm. I just don't want them to internalize this ideal of who they should be based on what they're seeing on this app. And, you know, there are serious consequences, right? There are eating disorders that we have to keep an eye out for. There are a lot of things that are happening to our girls and our kids from seeing these images. Yeah. And I do want to point out a friend of the pod who I'm not going to name. She knows who she is though. And I'm really grateful. She sent me this terrific article in the San Diego Tribune about J.D let that her kid had an eating disorder and now she's an activist in that world. And Mm -hmm. it's a great article. We'll link it up on our podcast page. She had a couple of quotes that I wanted to pull out. One is what I tell parents is to trust your spidey sense. She basically said, if you feel like something's wrong, get an evaluation right away. Mm -hmm. So if this is going beyond 
beyond your kid wearing heavy makeup or using filters, if you feel like there's really something wrong, definitely take care of it. And don't just say no Instagram because that's not going to fix it. Right. She also talked about how surprisingly most Americans and many pediatricians don't realize that eating disorders are not a personal choice, but are often hereditary, genetic, and it's a neurobiological disease. Yeah. And so while yeah. they can be triggered by social or environmental factors like social media, body shaming, that it should be understood as a complex medical and psychiatric illness. And I thought that was actually extremely helpful that it's not just like stop reading those magazines or put down that Instagram, you know, like that's not going to fix what might be a greater issue. So without getting too deep into this, there are definitely resources that can help if you're really struggling with kids that are next level having issues with body and self-esteem. I love that. And we'll have all of these linked up over on our Cool Mom Picks page. You know, this comes to mind, this conversation that I had with Claire Crooks and Caitlin Mendez for that article that I wrote in the Washington Post. They really talked about how social media and like the way the brain development is happening for teens is sort of like a perfect storm. And I think it's important for parents to remember this, right? Because teens are always going to sort of engage in this like risky behavior. They're developing their prefrontal cortex, which is like the Yoda brain, right? It's not. They're super learners, right? They're super learners, right? It's Mm -hmm. happening quickly. And when you combine that with social media, which is like instant gratification, you're getting dopamine hits and you're getting reassurance about who you are as a person, which is what teens are trying to get, but they're getting it. And this was fascinating. It's intermittent reinforcement, Mm. which is the most effective kind of reinforcement, which means they're getting it and then they don't get it for a little while and then they get it again and then they don't get it. And that is so effective. It's gambling, right? It's why gambling works. Think about it. Like that's what happens. So just knowing parents, just at a basic level, knowing that there is a connection, right? Between the way your teens are developing, what social media does and that it's a real thing. Cause I just don't want parents to downplay the effect that this kind of stuff can have. For sure. Right? Like it's really important to discuss this. Absolutely. But you know, it's funny. I was thinking about how in the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that there are a lot of positive things that come out of social media, not just the negative. And you were talking about DV slicks, right? The article that you wrote where kids are stealing toilets and stuff out of bathrooms. Why are you stealing toilets, guys? Come on. I I mean, I was, I said to, I said to Thalia, she played me some video on TikTok where there was somebody recorded a principal like screaming about it and saying, you know, from now on, we're taking all the doors off of all the stalls in the bathrooms. And he was furious. And I said, well, now I know I'm old because he's right. And I, I do not relate. I don't think it's funny at all. Teachers have been through hell right now. The last thing they need is kids destroying. I find no humor. But let me end on something really positive. She came back to me a couple days ago and said, guess what, mom? The antidote to devious licks. She's starting to see people doing what they're calling angelic yields, where they're putting positive things into bathrooms. They're like putting like hearts on sticky notes and hanging it on a mirror, or they're putting like a random flower someplace and putting that on TikTok and they're calling it angelic yield. Oh, that's amazing. Now they're like, somebody took something bad out. We're going to put something good in. And I thought kids are great. If you give them the chance, they can be great. They can solve this stuff. And so I, it gave me some reassurance that like there's problems out there, but like through a combination of parenting and talking a little luck, (laughs) that hopefully most of our kids will be okay. Yes. And also we're here for you. We know that actively parenting your teens, particularly the digital parenting piece is hard. So we just want to say like, we commiserate with you. 
You can always find us. We're on social media. Head over to our OutTech Your Kids group. Like mm-hmm. there is so much support out there. It's a non-judgy atmosphere. There's great discussions, but I think it's just important to end on the fact that like we're all in this together. We feel your pain. It's exhausting, but it's really really important work. And we know it's complex. It's yeah. complicated. You're going to yeah. hear this episode and be like, I disagree with this thing, or you didn't get as much into this thing. And you know what? That's okay. There's so much to talk about here. And so if you want to chat with us on the Spawned Facebook group or in Outtech Your Kids, like actually, we'd love to hear from you, you know, whether or not you agree with things or whether you disagree or whether things made you think about things differently, or if you want some more resources that would help you like reach out anytime. It's one of the things we love about this is being able to help people because as we always say, parents. We are all in this together. We could not do it without our villages. All right. Well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And Liz, I'm going to go first. I'm going to tell you about another podcast that you need to listen to. Oh my gosh. Just what I need. More podcasts. Okay. Yeah. You do need more podcasts. Okay. Good. You definitely need this podcast. So it's Toxic. All right. It's the Britney podcast. I don't know if you've heard about it. I have. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. Everyone right now, just go subscribe. It's called Toxic. I know so much about conservatorships now (laughs) from this podcast. Like just to kind of sum it up, that stuff that happened to Britney is insane. I just cannot believe what had been done to her, what is still happening to her. Your eyes will be opened. It is kind of incredible. And you know what? I was listening with my teens too, because why not? But I feel like it's just really important. It's very well reported. They're quick listens. So like I binged it. I just kind of whipped through it, but it's called Toxic. It's the Britney podcast and it is so good. Thank so you. Good. I'll get to that yes. right after the Lula Rich document, oh, which goodness. I've had on my, I, yes. I can't recommend it because I have not seen it, but every Everybody knows okay. talking about it. So I feel like I need to be part of that conversation. Well, what about you? So my cool pick, I, I had picked this last week before I even knew what we were going to talk about. And it just happens to tie in. So Ooh. Taylor Fetter, who I adore, she's an illustrator. You may know her Etsy shop called Roaring Softly. If you see her illustrations, you'll go, oh, I know her. She's a great Instagram feed, inspirational, brilliant. She's amazing. She came out with a book called Bodies Are Cool. It's a picture book for kids. That's so awesome. this summer. I read it to my... 12 year old stepkid who right away said, That was good. And I was like, All oh, right, we got yeah. awesome. So let me just read you the first two pages so you can get a sense. If you know her illustrations, it's just like fun and charming and real. And like her stuff is so great. So, first two pages big bodies, small bodies, dancing, playing, happy bodies. Look at all these different bodies. Bodies are cool. Lanky bodies, squat bodies, tall, short, wide, or narrow bodies. Somewhere in the middle bodies, bodies are cool. And it goes on from there, showing the most diverse, amazing group of people. It's so lovely, even though it's a children's picture book. Like I have it next to my nightstand because I just love looking at the cover. And what a great message. I love it. I want to get that. I don't it's even really have good. kids. Like, okay. Super All good. Right. And of course, you can always support her in other ways, like check out her Etsy shop or her Instagram feed. She sells all kinds of cool cards and posters and prints. And, you know, we love supporting small businesses. So you see her around our website a whole lot when it comes to our gift guides. But I'm really happy she has this book out because it's fantastic. Yay. All right. Well, listen, thanks for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our awesome engineer, John Bowen. And if you've got a minute, not even a minute, really, like, 
it's like two seconds to click a five-star review. Maybe a little longer if you want to write an actual review, but we would greatly appreciate your time, your four seconds, you know, <laughs> we know you're busy, but when you do that, like, I feel like people don't realize, and I know that I have been a little lax myself on giving reviews. So I'm using this as a reminder that when you subscribe and you download our episodes and you do all those lovely things, it actually helps more people find us. That's how the algorithm works. <laughs> Plus, it's just like a nice thing to do. Like I've yes. been leaving more reviews lately. I realized like, how can I thank the people who are giving me this free content? And so yeah. I've been trying to take the time to do that a little more also. Okay. So anyway, if you do it for us, that'd be great. And we will pay it forward on the podcast we love as well. And hey, just a reminder, you can still join us in our Spawned podcast community on Facebook, where we chat about whatever you'd like, including the show topics, of course. And for this topic in particular, out tech your kids. It's really easy to find. Just search it in Facebook. It is the most tech positive, amazing parenting community. I get so many good ideas from the parents there and I'm yes. so grateful for them. It's a hop-in community. There's a lot it going is. on. There is a lot happening. New posts every single day. Well, thank you so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Welcome to Spawn Extra, brought to you by Entangled Publishing. I'm chatting with Christina Hovland, author of the upcoming April, May, Fall, out on October 26, 2021. Christina, you are an artisan chocolatier, so I want to ask you a very important question. Is white chocolate actual chocolate? The answer is, it depends. So many times we eat white chocolate and we think that it's white chocolate, but it's really a candy coating that's white. That is not chocolate because it doesn't actually have any of the cocoa bean in it. If you are looking to see if your white chocolate is really chocolate, you just flip over the ingredients. And if it says cocoa butter, that's white chocolate. And the same thing goes for dark chocolate, where a lot of times you think you're eating chocolate and you're not. You're eating candy coating. What? And so you, Wait, I'm not hold on. My precious dark chocolate may not even be dark chocolate too? Well, you have to check it. A lot of okay. times, you know, like when you eat it and you're like, oh, that was good chocolate. That was like the real deal. Okay. But if you flip over the bag and there's cocoa liqueur, and that goes to make like milk chocolate and dark chocolate. And the white is the cocoa butter and that goes to make white chocolate or like sometimes facial creams and you can use cocoa butter and so many things. If it is true chocolate, it will say that on the bag, like in the ingredients. The other thing is, is if it says chocolate product, that's not often real chocolate. Finally, finally, we get the truth. So <laughs> you know. there's been a lot in the news about wellness influencers. There was just an article that came out. And I'm wondering, is your character April Davis based on someone in real life? perhaps, that you may or may not follow? Yes. Next question. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> April is based on a lot of different influencers and she became like her own person. When you draft a character, you kind of have an idea of this is what they're going to do. And then when you're writing the character, they kind of go and do their own thing. So I kind of had in my mind what she would be and who she would be. And then she took me on a little bit of a ride figuring that out. That's the joy of the journey of writing a book is letting the characters kind of lead the way sometimes. Absolutely. So what's your take on the pressure that social media can have on moms? I think the biggest thing is like, let it go. You just can't. You get the real on Instagram that it's not the reality of life. You know, when you take a picture and you post it, usually you clean up the room first, but that's not how we live. You know, there's dog hair on the floor. 
I think it's important to realize the reality for everybody is that we all struggle and that everybody has a story that you don't know and they can seem perfectly fine on the outside, but deep down, like they're really struggling. And that was kind of the point in April, May, fall is when she was out and being the calm mom, she was the calm mom. But when you got in her head, you realized there was nothing calm about her life. So, you know, this attitude of fake it till you make it. I had a life coach once tell me, if you fake it till you make it, you will never be happy. It kind of blew my mind. I really wanted to argue the point. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know what? You really can't. You can't fake it. You have to be authentic because that's what people want. Your messy self, the part of you that gets out of bed with greasy hair. You know, this is life. And I hope what my books do is help to make that clear that even those of us that look like we've got it all together, we don't. Not all the time. So if a video of your behind the scenes life went viral, like April, <laughs> what would people see? Oh my gosh, the mess, dear God, the mess. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like no matter how much I'm cleaning, like, you know, the dishwasher's broken right now. So there's always dishes. Like we do dishes so many times a day, but you know, with four kids, it's a lot of dishes. It's never like filthy, but like the amount of clutter that can come up over the course of a day, I think would be worthy of like its own Instagram feed. <laughs> it's like, where did that come from? Like, I've never seen that before in my life. Like who has socks that color? Nobody has socks that color in this house. Who brought in somebody else's socks? Like, why are they here? You know, it's amazing to me, the amount of mess that can come up just over the course of a day. That's definitely a different kind of wellness influencer, right? right. <laughs> keeping it real, keeping it real. Right. Well, for more great books, you can go to entangledpublishing.com. Follow Christina at Hovland Writes on Instagram. That's H-O-V Land Writes on Instagram. And make sure to grab your copy of April, May, Fall by Christina Hovland on October 26, 2021 at amazon.com. 